Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hello there. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and today we're going to do one of my favorite things, and that's get into some of the science stuff again. And I want to talk specifically today for, this might be a little bit of a longer episode, but it's worth it. I want to talk about insulin. And hang on, if you're feeling like, meh, diabetes isn't a concern for me, this is not about diabetes. Of course, insulin matters if diabetes is, is a concern, but understanding and optimizing insulin is critical for fat loss, absolutely critical for fat loss, but also for energy and for staying in control of your hunger. And if you understand any hormone at all, which can be tricky in general, right? But hormones are what controls fat loss and just about every process in our body. Insulin is really the one worth understanding because when we understand insulin and understand how we can adjust our diet and our lifestyle to optimize insulin and make it work in our favor, we literally make fat loss pretty much effortless. We increase our energy, we increase our strength and stamina, we increase our satiety or our feelings of fullness with meals. And when we carry extra weight, when we struggle with cravings or if we struggle with hunger or imbalanced energy, kind of wild fluctuations in that energy level throughout the day, chances are that it's because we are not managing insulin. Insulin is the master fat loss hormone, and we've talked about it in previous episodes, and I want to kind of broad brush over the basics again, but then dive into a little bit more detail than we have in the past, because I find when I get emails from you guys that there is much value in helping you understand how focusing first on managing insulin makes everything else easier, whether it's the cravings, the energy, the hunger, the satiety, the breaking through plateaus. When we focus on insulin, everything else gets easier, okay? So let's start with some of the basics and then we'll take a deeper dive. So when we eat, our blood sugar rises, right? Some of that blood sugar is immediately used for fuel, fuel to make your heart beat, fuel to make your eyes blink, your muscles contract, to help you walk and to get through your workout or whatever your immediate energy needs are right now as the sugar hits your bloodstream, right? The rest, however, has to get put somewhere. It cannot continue to circulate in your blood because that is toxic, okay? 
So to keep you healthy and really to keep you alive, your body has to remove that extra sugar from the blood. So what that's telling uh, your body is there's an excess of fuel. We need to go into storage mode. You cannot be simultaneously at storage mode and burning mode at the same time. Now, this is really interesting, or at least it's kind of interesting to me because I'm a dork, but we have a handful of different hormones that help us to raise our blood sugar, right? But we only have one, we only have one hormone that lowers it, and that's insulin. And that is because we were not designed to eat sugar and carbs and processed foods all the dang time like we do now. When we were, you know, when our bodies, when our when when human biochemistry year, hundreds and thousands of years ago was developed, we did not have a need to constantly be lowering our blood sugar. It was much more likely that we would have the need to raise the blood sugar. And again, that is evidenced by the fact that there are many hormones that are capable of raising blood sugar and only one to help lower it. We were not designed to eat the standard American diet the way we do. We evolved eating a relatively low-carb diet. Keep in mind, things like potatoes were not yet available in Paleolithic times, and of course, grains weren't either, and certainly not Kit Kats. So the only carbs that we would consume were really from fruit and the minimal amount in vegetables, and fruits and vegetables too were only seasonally available, right? Our ancestors, Paleolithic times, really were only eating about 50 to 80 grams of carbohydrate a day, and even then, that was only the case in seasons where fruits and vegetables were available, right? So really parts of the spring and parts of the summer and a little bit of the fall. 50 to 80 grams of carbohydrate per day compared to the standard American diet where we get anywhere from 350 to say 600 grams a day with the standard American diet. So our bodies didn't have an evolutionary need to constantly be lowering blood sugar. It was much more likely to have to raise it. And the carbohydrates that we were designed to eat in fruits and vegetables are naturally packaged with fiber. So they blunt the impact of uh, the rise in blood sugar because the fiber slows down the digestive process. So we're really kind of working against our, our biochemistry when we constantly expose ourselves to sugar from processed foods or carbohydrates and overconsumption of food in general. We did not have a physiological need to lower blood sugar often, but again, we did often have the need to raise it. We have completely jacked up our system and understanding it, this is where it starts, understanding it is one of the main keys to managing our weight, getting into fat burning mode, and really to stay healthy. Understanding insulin and understanding how it impacts fat loss is critical. And I've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating that your body's number one priority is survival. Sure, your body is very, very complex, but when we understand its sole purpose, things get a little bit more simple. So your body is only going to burn fat from your hips, your butt, your thighs, anywhere if there is not enough fuel coming in, right? if it doesn't have enough energy from the food that you eat. The presence of insulin circulating in your body turns off fat burning mode, temporarily obviously, but it tells the body there's enough fuel, we've got extra, we're taking it to be stored. 
So of course, your body being very efficient isn't going to pump extra fuel into the system by burning your body fat. On the flip side, when insulin is low, when insulin stays low, the body gets the message, oh, we're not in storage mode. There actually isn't an excess of fuel here. And then it will tap into your stored body fat. I know we've talked about that before, but it's important foundation. And it's worth repeating because sometimes we have to hear things three, four, five, twenty-seven thousand times before we really understand, internalize it, and have it influence our behaviors and our actions. So the more carbohydrate that you eat, the more significantly you raise your blood sugar, the more insulin your body will release, and the longer it will take to clear the sugar from your blood and for insulin to return to normal or low levels to get you back to your fat burning potential. We're reviewing. So there's some new stuff that we're going to get into, but let's review the storage options when blood sugar rises. So the first thing that insulin is going to do after any immediate fuel needs are met with what's circulating in your blood, option number one is to the muscle tissue. First and primary storage site, there is limited storage here. And this is for short bursts of intense activity. We have finite amounts of glycogen, which is the storage form of glucose or sugar in the muscles, and it's reserved for short bursts of intense activity. So if you're a couch potato, right, you're not tapping into these storage sites very often, if at all. Or if you eat a lot of carbohydrates, they just stay full, right? Now, here is one thing we have not talked about before. Your muscles do not have any type of enzymatic capability. There are no enzymes that allow the glucose to get out of the cell once it's in there. So it is a one-way ticket into that short-term muscle storage, okay? From there, it has to be burned there. It cannot be released from the muscle to say, fuel the heart or fuel the brain. It can only be used for your muscular energy requirements. It is one way only, right? There's no way out other than to make your muscles require that fuel. And again, that is limited storage space. So if you are not regularly active or if you are over consuming carbohydrates, that muscle storage space is probably staying pretty full, right? So the next option is going to be the liver. The liver, too, is short-term limited storage capacity, but this is a round-trip ticket. Sugar can go in and be stored, but it can also be released out to fuel the body, especially in between your meals or overnight. Your liver is part of the process of keeping your blood sugar stable, like, up, oh, blood sugar's getting a little low. Let's release it from the liver if we're fasting, if there isn't any sugar in the blood. Um, it is sort of the, the temperature, the thermostat, regulating your blood sugar in between meals or in an overnight or fasting period. But again, total capacity between the muscle tissue and the liver is around about 400 grams. Beyond that, when there is extra, and for many of us there is because of the amount of carbohydrate consumption, the frequency of the carbohydrate consumption, and physical inactivity, anything extra is going to be converted to and stored as body fat. This is a round-trip ticket, but unlimited storage space, and your body does not readily tap into that storage for fuel. So once it goes in, it's hard to get out unless you're really keeping your insulin, mm, I want to say low. I mean low. People are going to be like, oh, low insulin. But really, unless you're really managing your insulin, it is very hard to get that stored fat out of your body fat tissue. 
When we get into this zone, this is called carbohydrate spillover. I did an entire episode on carbohydrate spillover, but how quickly you get into this spillover state where the excess sugar is converted to fat and stored in your body fat, hips, thighs, butt, you name it, uh, depends on how much total carbohydrate you eat, how often you're turning over those carbohydrate stores uh, in your muscle and your liver, because obviously if you're regularly clearing them out, then when you have carbohydrate again, it's going to go to the muscle and the tissue and not ever get you to that place of spillover, right? All right, so let's talk about insulin a little bit more, okay? Enzymes, just for some groundwork, enzymes are proteins that basically start up, they catalyze or initiate reactions in the body. And insulin, when it's in the body circulating as a result of consuming sugar carbohydrates, right? Insulin turns on an enzyme that's known as lipoprotein lipase, right? It is opening up the body fat cells saying, hey, come on, give us fuel, we're ready, right? High insulin means lots of storage mode, very low fat burning potential. Low insulin, no storage happening, so you have a high fat burning potential. You can let fuel out of the body fat instead of adding fuel in to the body fat. We obviously do not want to be increasing the quantity of stored body fat we have, quite the opposite. Now here's the problem with the standard American diet. We constantly elevate blood sugar throughout the day, and oftentimes we keep it elevated consistently. Regular snacking, lots of processed foods, bigger serving size, and the body has to keep producing insulin in response. And that's bad for a number of reasons. It's bad because obviously when insulin is constantly circulating, we can't get into fat burning mode, but... Here's the other thing. It is really bad because your body gets used to the presence of insulin and becomes kind of like immune to it, not responsive to it. And that is the starting point for major, major health problems and serious difficulty burning fat. It's nothing we can't undo when it first starts, but it is really tough. So it's kind of like when you crank up your stereo, right? At first it seems really, really loud, but if you leave it that way, you get used to it, doesn't seem so loud, and then you have to keep making it a little bit louder and a little bit louder. You just aren't quite as sensitive to it, responsive to it. And the same thing happens with insulin. Your cells stop responding or they require more and more insulin to be responsive. So when that happens, your body just keeps producing insulin to get those cells to be responsive. You have more insulin in your system and it takes a longer time for your cells to respond. Now, why is that bad? For a couple of reasons. First of all, your blood sugar stays higher for longer because the insulin isn't clearing it as quickly and efficiently. And chronically elevated blood sugar is toxic. It truly is poisonous to your body and leads to a whole host of health problems. But also, the longer your insulin is elevated, then the more insulin it takes, you are increasing that cellular kind of deafness to the presence of insulin. So you keep producing more and more and more, and you stay out of fat burning mode for much longer. Now, there's a real great way that this is explained in the book Perfecting Paleo by Ashley Tudor, and I will link to it in the show notes over at primalpotential.com, 
But I, I love the way she puts it. Basically, she says, when you consistently have high levels of insulin circulating in your system, and this can be, again, because of the quantity of food that you're eating, the frequency of food you're eating, or just the carbohydrate density of the foods that you're eating. So when you consistently have high levels of insulin circulating in your system, your cells basically stop listening to what she calls the marching orders. And then in order to be heard, the insulin message has to get louder, requiring more insulin and more work from the pancreas. The pancreas is what secretes the insulin. And she says, hormones are like nagging parents. When they're constantly telling the cells to do the same thing over and over and over again, the cells tune them out like rebellious children. And that is insulin resistance. It takes more insulin a longer time, like clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, and you have to get louder and louder and say it more and more often. Now, here's the other problem with that. The glucose can't get into your muscle cells or your liver liver cells, so it is staying in the bloodstream longer, right, which we said is toxic. But because that blood sugar is staying elevated, the pancreas is going, oh, crap, blood sugar is still high, more insulin. So it just starts putting more and more and more out there. And here's the thing. Remember, insulin is delivering nutrients throughout your body, not just sugar. So this also keeps proteins and fats from being delivered throughout the body, which you need as fuel, which is why so many people struggle with low energy, because you are not having the efficient delivery of fuel throughout your body that you need as you develop this insulin resistance. And so many of us, just because of the standard American diet, of, you know, cereal for breakfast, granola bar for a snack, uh, rice or potato or pasta or beans or chips or whatever with lunch. You see, this goes on and on and on. Insulin constantly stays elevated. We become unresponsive and fuel delivery is compromised within the whole entire body. And we wonder why we have trouble focusing. We wonder why we feel kind of foggy and out of it or tired, why we don't have the energy to get up when the alarm goes off or get that workout in. We're starving ourselves. Seriously. I mean, this is this is as basic as it gets. When we overstimulate our body with insulin because of our food choices, we are starving ourselves. We are not allowing them to get the fuel they need no matter how much we eat. And how crazy is that, that we can be overweight or obese, but our cells can essentially be starving because we've polluted our body so significantly with the overproduction of insulin. That is crazy. So your body sort of panics as you become less responsive to insulin. It senses that blood sugar is still really high. So you get into this cycle that makes itself worse. Oh, crap. Blood sugar is still high. More insulin. The more insulin, the more immune you become to the action of insulin. And that is the basic premise of type 2 diabetes. That's how it starts. When we continue this pattern, we become completely unresponsive to insulin and we can also wear out the pancreas. And in some cases, people become basically insulin dependent, where then you have to take injections of insulin because your pancreas is just done. It just cannot produce the insulin anymore. And that is becoming more and more and more common. 
Guys, type 2 diabetes is not a blood sugar disease. It is a hormonal disease. It is an insulin disease, and it is caused by what we put in our mouth. It is caused by what we put in our mouth. And when we get to the point of insulin resistance, it's incredibly hard to burn fat because we have this overproduction of insulin. It doesn't get, uh, blood sugar doesn't get cleared. So insulin stays elevated for much longer than it ought to. So even if we have a lower carbohydrate meal, whatever insulin is released that would normally just be a blip on the radar kind of hangs around longer, keeping you out of fat burning mode for even longer. And we have this constant state of not being able to get into fat burning mode, okay? And like I said, you are also preventing amino acids or proteins from getting into your muscle tissue when you are resistant to insulin. So now you can't build or maintain your muscles, right? You just can't. You absolutely cannot. And your energy suffers as well. Plus... To make matters worse, as if we needed to get any worse, insulin resistance creates thyroid problems. It slows the function of your thyroid. Remember, your thyroid is your body's like metabolic thermostat. It controls your metabolism. And here we go again, compounding the difficulty with weight loss, right? We're screwing with our energy levels, our focus, our ability to burn fat. And I've talked in previous episodes about how you have multiple thyroid hormones. There's not just one, right? T4 is one of your thyroid hormones that is inactive. It cannot do anything, no matter how much you have, until it is converted to T3. T3 is the active form. This conversion happens in the liver, and insulin has a major impact on the efficiency and productiveness of your liver. So when you are resistant to insulin because of your overconsumption of carbohydrate, right, your body really struggles to convert the inactive thyroid hormone T4 to the active thyroid hormone T3. So much of your thyroid hormone, even if you're able to produce it, is just hanging out there inactive, unable to regulate your metabolism, among other things. I want to talk for a minute or two about what this feels like in your body, because it's one thing to understand it, but when we tie it to what we sense when this is going on, It can be, we can understand our bodies better and go, okay, I think this is a real problem for me because this is how I'm feeling. What it feels like to routinely raise blood sugar and insulin and have your cells be not as responsive as they should be to insulin. Because remember that hormones are constantly signaling your body. They are communicating and instructing and we can feel many of those signals. It's just that oftentimes we don't know what they are. So when we raise our blood sugar, we have provided our body with a very rapidly burning fuel source, and we tend to have a little pickup in energy and often a surge in the feel-good chemicals in the brain. Most of us can relate to that feeling after we eat a candy bar, we've got a little bit more energy, and we feel kind of up. But the more significant the increase in blood sugar, the larger the insulin response. And generally speaking... The larger the insulin response, the faster your blood sugar is going to be cleared because the more little soldiers there are to do the work of opening the doors in the cell and letting the sugar out of the blood. So what does that feel like when it crashes? Well, it feels like a crash, right? 
your energy drops off, you get a little bit of that brain fog, sometimes kind of a blah or almost like depressed feeling. Some people will feel it as just a mild kind of like, ugh, I just, it's that afternoon slump or whatever. And other people, it can be more, more significant. Now, that would be bad enough, but it doesn't stop there. Let's think for a second about how the body perceives this rise in blood sugar and a very quick drop off. In initially, when the blood sugar rises, your body's going, okay, good, our fuel needs were met. But then when it's gone all of a sudden, the body's like, wait a second, right? There's no fuel here. Your body wants homeostasis. Your body wants to maintain steady, stable blood sugar levels all day long. When you have a rapid drop off, your body sees that as an emergency sign, a fuel shortage, and wants to get you to eat. So your body is going to trigger hunger and cravings, especially cravings for carbohydrates, because it wants to get that blood sugar back up to that steady, normal level right? Your body does, you. that's when we get like the false hunger. You just had a candy bar or a bowl of cereal, but you're hungry. And it's because you went from maybe low blood sugar to a spike to low again. And your body's like, no, 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 no. We need to keep this steady eddy stable. And so it is going to trigger hunger and cravings. That is really tough to fight off, right? Now, when we eat whole foods, when we eat a balance of protein and fat and even carbohydrates with fiber like vegetables and fruit, we keep that stable blood sugar, which prevents that urgent hunger and craving sensation we get when we send our blood sugar on a roller coaster ride with processed foods or a lack of fiber-rich fruits and vegetables or a lack of good quality fats and proteins. One of the fastest ways, most effective ways to make fat loss effortless is to manage your insulin response by eating to control your blood sugar. You naturally experience less hunger and fewer cravings while having more energy. I don't know about you, but that's kind of what I want. Let's talk about, for just a second here, normal, healthy, I hate to use those words because, I mean, normal and healthy are totally relative, but blood sugar levels, so we have a little bit of a frame of reference, okay? A healthy individual would probably maintain steady blood sugar between 70 to 85 um, milligrams per deciliter, right? But with the standard American diet and our range of normal being skewed by the fact that most of us overeat carbohydrates, medical literature is probably going to say between 85 to 100 is normal. But let's keep in mind, normal does not mean optimal or healthy because the way the quote unquote normal average American eats is not indicative of health. Look at the incidence of disease in this in this country, right? Normal in this day and age is tired and overweight. I'm, I don't know about you, I'm not shooting for normal. But here's a good way to put this into perspective, okay? Blood sugar of 70 to 85 milligrams per deciliter is the equivalent of one teaspoon of sugar circulating throughout all of your blood volume, okay? So that range that we are optimally looking for for health, 70 to 85-ish, is the equivalent of one teaspoon of sugar circulating through all of your bloodstream, five grams, 20 calories. Anything over that, your blood sugar is like, oh, this is this is too much. We got to clear this out. 
So imagine what happens when you eat a bagel or a big plate of pasta. Two slices of bread, for example, is about six teaspoons of sugar, six times the amount that should be healthily maintained in your bloodstream. Two slices of bread is six times what should be maintained in your bloodstream at any point in time. So imagine, again, the bagel, the big plate of pasta, then two hours later, the candy bar or the ice cream or whatever. We are making our body work so hard and we are preventing fat loss. We beat ourselves to death trying to burn fat, but we're going about it the wrong way because we don't understand what keeps our body in fat burning mode and what takes it out of it. Now, I just can't overstate this enough. Excess insulin destroys your body, period. It destroys your health in just about every way. It destroys your tissues, your organs, your bones, your skin, your liver, right? And our abuse of insulin stems from the frequency, the amount, and the type of carbohydrate we consistently consume, which then impairs our body's ability to process the sugar at all. Insulin is a very, very versatile hormone. I don't want people to think that insulin is the enemy of fat loss. Insulin is what delivers fuel to your cells so that you can live. That's very, very important. But the standard American diet is keeping us from being able to be lean and fit and strong and healthy, right? Another thing that insulin does is it has a major impact on our electrolyte and mineral balance. Insulin being sort of like this fuel monitor, it helps your cells take up the nutrients it needs, not just fat, protein, sugar, right? But also critical nutrients like potassium and magnesium and sodium. So insulin, because it's helping your cells take this on, it actually stimulates water retention and increases blood sugar. So if you notice that post-meal bloat, That is largely insulin shuttling things into your cells. If you have regular fluid retention or bloating, that is a sign of excess insulin or too many carbs or insulin resistance. And insulin resistance, guys, is bad news. But the good news is that we can make a change. We can become insulin sensitive again by changing our lifestyle. And if we do not... If we do not make a change, insulin resistance leads to weight gain, pregnancy complications, polycystic ovarian syndrome, cancer, inflammation, high triglycerides, osteoporosis, vascular disease, infertility, headaches, bloating, constipation, erectile dysfunction, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, Alzheimer's, blood clotting, stroke, and lions and tigers and bears. All because of what we put in our mouth. Is the bagel for breakfast really worth it? No, it's not. That's not even a question. No, it is absolutely, positively not, 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 not. And the problem from a practical implementation standpoint is that many of us don't even realize what carbohydrates are as we keep plowing them into our mouths, right? Carbohydrates drive insulin. Insulin's our master fat loss hormone. And we are routinely just shoveling our face full of carbohydrates, whether it's from bread or rice or pasta or cookies or cakes or chips or pretzels or potatoes. But it also includes fruits and vegetables and every processed food like jam, soda, syrups, flavored yogurts, ice cream, candy, energy drinks, energy bars, granola, all this stuff. Now, 
Should you be worried about fruit and vegetable? No, you should not. Because our the world and its infinite wisdom, call it whatever you want, not here to debate that. But those carbohydrates, because guys, fruit and vegetables are carbohydrates, but they are not the problem. We are not overweight or insulin resistant because of fruit or vegetables. They are naturally packaged with the fiber that reduces the impact on our blood sugar. But when we're drinking fruit juice, when we're drinking soda, when we're always eating carbohydrates at every meal, it becomes a real problem. Now, I know because I know you guys, that many of you might be wondering your degree of insulin imbalance or insulin resistance. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you ready? Hope you're ready. Do you crave sweets regularly? Do you have a hard time trying to give up sweets or carb-rich stuff like pretzels or popcorn or chips? Have you been told that you have high blood sugar, even borderline high blood sugar? Do you feel kind of crappy if you go more than two to three hours without eating? Are you overweight? Are you carrying extra body fat around your midsection? Do you have polycystic ovarian syndrome? Have you struggled with infertility or even irregular periods? Do you struggle to lose weight? Do you feel irritable or anxious or shaky, physically shaky if you miss a meal? Do you have high triglycerides? Do you have high blood pressure? If uh, two, three of those are resonating with you, you would probably benefit from making some choices to control your insulin release in your body. There are so much that you can do to manage your insulin response, but we have to do it before we fry our pancreas. We have to do it before we've created such an insulin-resistant state in our body that it's hard to overcome. The best way to do this, the simplest way to do this, is to let go of the processed foods and drinks, period. You do not need them. You do not need them. Beyond that, really watching your portion sizes and not overfeeding yourself in general, even if it's from the best foods on the planet, we do not need to overfeed ourselves. And then if and when you're ready, you can improve your sensitivity to insulin through exercise, especially weight training. But I encourage everybody to really master the nutritional changes first before putting the added stress and pressure of working out. It's not that I don't think working out is important. I love it. It makes me feel better. But we have a finite amount of focus and energy and willpower. And what really moves the needle here is what we put in our mouth. And so I encourage everybody to really focus on that first. All right. I think I've worn out my welcome on this topic. I would love to hear what you think of this. I would love to hear your questions or your suggestions or what you're confused about. Shoot me an email. Get on the email list over at primalpotential.com. There is an email sign-up form right on the homepage. That gives you direct access right into my inbox because I want to know what questions you have. I want to know what you're struggling with. And I'd love to know how you feel after making some of these changes to your diet. I guarantee that you will probably sleep better, that you will have more energy, and that fat loss will become much easier. 
So we'll talk to you soon. Shoot me an email. I want to know what else you want to know about this topic or any other topic. This is your show. I want to talk about what your struggles are, what your challenges are. And we'll be back again in a couple of days with a brand new episode. See you then. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.